If you have a Bible this morning, find the book of Romans. Uh, Romans, and we're going to be in chapter number 5. So find Romans chapter 5 and get there quickly. Uh, today is the second part of a four-part series of messages that we've just simply titled Suffering. Uh, we've, we've called it Suffering. And the premise of this series is simply this. Suffering is a part of life. It is a part of being alive, and we all face difficult situations and difficult circumstances. They, they, it is not a matter of if they will happen. It is truly a matter of when, and you understand that uh, a loved one will die at some point um, in your life. Somebody you love will get sick. You will experience pain in your body. Uh, uh, and, and more than likely, every one of us will face some sort of a financial crisis in our life. These things will happen. It is a part of being alive. And the Bible says it's a part of being a Christian. The, the, the difficulties and suffering is a part of being a follower of, of Christ. And Yet the average everyday Christian in America, what I have experienced is, is we actually have a very unbiblical, inaccurate view and understanding of suffering in our world and in our lives. Uh, many of us have an incorrect theology is the word that I'll use, which is what we believe, an incorrect theology uh, about suffering in our lives. And we throw around these sayings uh, that simply are not true, uh, things that many people think are in the Bible, but they actually are not. We're going to talk about that next week. And this matters, and it matters greatly. Why? Because there used to be people who sat next to many of you in this church uh, but they no longer go to church. Why do they no longer go to church? Because something happened in their life, tragedy struck, something took place, a difficult situation, and they could not rationalize that with their understanding of God. And it caused them to lose their faith, to leave the church, and to really leave God completely. An, an, an unbiblical understanding of God and suffering will do lots of damage when suffering comes. Are we all on the same page? All right. Now, uh, last week we 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 talked about uh, we started this conversation. And we looked at the book of Philippians, where the apostle Paul basically says this. He says everything that we do and everything that we are, it is all about knowing Christ. It's about knowing Jesus. And then he writes, and there are two basic ways where we will know Christ more. We know Christ by experiencing the power of his resurrection. And we know Christ by participating with him in his suffering. We know Christ by experiencing the incredible power and, and grace and love that is Jesus. And we watch him do miraculous things in our lives and in our family. We know Christ by experiencing that power. But Paul says that's only half of the equation. And the bottom line for last Sunday was simply this. There is a part of Christ that we simply cannot know without suffering without going through difficult situations and circumstances in our life because, because going through those moments actually brings us to Jesus in a powerful, powerful way. And when we begin to understand that the goal of being a Christian is to know Christ, it's not to just have a better life, the goal of being a Christian is to actually know Christ and we understand that suffering and 
difficult situations actually bring us closer to Jesus, then suffering begins to have a purpose in our lives, all right? And so that was all last week. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, that was the longest introduction in the history of the world. All right. Okay, you didn't say it, did you? But this, this entire thing is all, this entire series, it's all about building an accurate understanding of God and the Bible and difficult circumstances that come up in our life. So please stand with me all over this place and let's read our passage of scripture together. Romans chapter 5 and uh, we're going to start in uh, with verse number 1. So Romans 5 verse 1, follow along with me on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. We rejoice in our sufferings. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would move in this place, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us and change us, and, and that your very word would do something so supernatural in every heart here today. God, we give this to you, we open ourselves up to you, and we ask all of this in your wonderful and powerful name. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. <clears throat> all right, are you ready? Here we go. Uh, how many of you, let's start right here, how many of you have ever built a house? Like, like instead of buying a house like normal people, you go through the process of having a house built for you. Raise your hand again. Okay, a handful of us in this place. Uh, we just finished the process of building a house. My family, we just moved in a little bit, a little bit over two weeks ago, and it is awesome. It is so fantastic and our, our kids are loving it. It has just been such a great thing for our family. Um, it's so awesome having brand new appliances. You know what I'm talking about? And like um, I, I have, they put a garage door opener in there and last night I realized I can open and close the garage door from my cell phone while I'm at church. Come on somebody. I don't know when I'm going to need that but it sounds awesome. And I can do it now, but uh, I'm, I'm, it's been such a cool thing. But it took us over a year to do this. Over a year. We started this process September of 2017. We moved in the end of September 2018. Uh, there is just a ridiculous amount of stuff that goes into building a house. In fact, there is a ridiculous amount of stuff that happens even before you ever start building the house. Months and months of, you have to talk to banks and get millions of bids in a thousand different areas. You talk to plumbers and electricians and excavators and heating and cooling companies and you get the permits and you get the idea, right? I mean, it's, it's nuts. Uh, in fact, I would call the last year of my life the craziest year I have ever lived through. Absolutely nuts. Uh, the process of building a house is horrendously difficult for the average person who has no idea what they're doing. That's me, okay? It's really difficult. And not only are there a million things that need to get done that, that you really don't know anything about, but there's also what seems to be a thousand decisions that have to be made. 
And it gets to the point where you're just like, I, I just don't care what kind of mini doorknob is on the bifold closet door of the guest bedroom. I don't care anymore. Just nail a piece of string in there and we'll pull on it, okay? I mean, it, it just, it gets to that point. There are so many decisions. And it's hard on your marriage, by the way. Uh, if you didn't know that, I mean, I love my wife and she loves me and we're a happy family, okay? All of that. But, uh, but, but if you want to stretch your marriage, then try to make a thousand decisions together in a really short time. All right, some of you have been there. So many decisions, so much to do. Uh, in fact, I remember one evening, uh, I, I was finally home and I was eating supper with the kids and one of them just turned to me and said, said Dad, are you going to be home sometime this week? I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, it, so you can just feel uh, what, what this was like. It has been a stressful, overwhelming, difficult season of life where many times we found ourselves just saying, why are we doing this? Why didn't we just buy a house like normal people do? Uh, and, 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 and so we felt that. But the craziest thing happened. And this is where I'm kind of taking this. See, we finally like completed the project or at least most of it. And we were able to move in to our new house. And it's been fantastic. And the kids love it. And it is such a cool experience to move into a brand new house where everything is clean. And, uh, you know, you get it. Uh, it's such a cool experience. And it's to the point where all that was negative in my mind about the last year and everything that we went through, and I'll even lightly use the word suffering here, okay, just because of our series. All of the suffering that was the last year, uh, being away from my family too much, dealing with the stress, the, the decisions, the problems, the budgets, all of that stuff has been completely overshadowed by the final product, completely overshadowed by what it produced, Okay? And right here I want to transition and kind of give you the, the bottom line for the entire message here. Uh, it was true in my situation and what we're going to see Paul say in the Bible is going to point to this as well. Write this down if you're taking notes. Uh, listen, this is big. We often look back on suffering in a positive way because we now realize what it produced in our lives. We oftentimes look back on the negative circumstances and the difficult situations that we faced in our past. We often look back on them now and look back at them in a positive way because we now can see what it produced in our life. Now, uh, our staff has been going through a book uh, together. We just finished it. The book is called The Power of Moments. It's not a Christian book, uh, but it's been an incredible book to read through the context of Christianity, actually. Uh, such a good book. But in this book, I came across a, a handful of, of statistics. I want to show you this. A research poll was done, like this massive survey, thousands and thousands of people, and they asked them, they asked the people to name the single most influential event in their lives. And of course, many people listed off things like their wedding day uh, or, or the birth of a child or, or things like that, but they found something interesting. Listen to this. When asked to name the most influential event in their life, four out of ten people listed something negative. Listed a negative event 
as the most influential event in their life. 40% of the responses they got listed it in that what, what sounded like a bad thing. Now they also found this, and this blew my mind. This is incredible. They found this. 45% of people who had a serious illness characterized the event as having a positive impact in their life. Think about that for a moment. Almost half of the people surveyed, thousands and thousands of people surveyed, almost half of them who went through a serious medical condition actually look back on that as a positive impact on their life. That is crazy. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's crazy. Well, what's the lesson here? Listen, in retrospect, as we look back on the different difficult circumstances from our past, we often view them in a very positive way. Or we could say it this way, and this should bring encouragement for some of us, uh, to some of us here today. If you are in the middle right now of a difficult season in your life, a difficult circumstance right now, the chances are good that in the future, you will actually look back at this event in a positive way. Now, I was um, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine from the church a few weeks ago. We were riding in the car together and he was telling me the story of when he was 16, how his father passed away suddenly, completely unexpected, came home and his father had had a heart attack and, and just died when he was 16. And the crazy thing of, as he was telling me the story, is how much of that story was actually positive. It was the weirdest thing. I mean, he's telling me the story about how his dad died. And he's saying things like, you know, it was amazing though how it brought me and my mom together. And he was saying things like, I've never prayed so much as I did then. And God really, really did some amazing things in my life through that season. And it was like in the midst of him talking about this horrendous event in his past, positive things became to begin to flow out of it. It's a crazy idea. Now, I want, I want to show you this. I want to show you this in the Bible as well. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, who, who is writing the words that we're looking at together today, uh, he lived through some of the most incredible supernatural events ever, but at the same time, he lived through some of the horrific, most horrendous suffering in anyone you could ever imagine. Let me list off a couple things here. Paul, when he was converted uh, by Jesus, a supernatural event that happened, we read about in the book of Acts. He was on this road. Jesus is now in heaven, and Jesus shows up to him in the middle of this road. There's glowing lights, voice from heaven, supernatural, amazing moment that Paul has on the road changes his life forever. Paul also, when you read about his life, uh, God uses him in miraculous ways. He lays hands on people who are blind and they see. Uh, he, he, okay, Supernatural miracles that God does through this, this man. Miraculous things. He has these mountaintop experiences all over uh, that are just huge and amazing. But he also experienced horrific horrific and horrendous suffering in his life. Paul was, was uh, on a ship that sunk in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake at one point. Paul was beaten multiple times. In fact, at one point, they beat him to the point where they thought he was dead, and they drug him out of the city, and they left him there to die. 
Paul went through trial after trial. Uh, he was threatened by the authorities multiple times. Paul was in prison more than one time. And eventually Paul is going to be executed in Rome for being a Christian. This is a man who has experienced uh, incredible suffering. And I want us to picture who is writing these words as we read this. So he's going to talk about suffering. This is a man who has suffered greatly. Okay, now this is so powerful. Read this with me again. Romans chapter 1 and we're going to talk through it here quickly. He writes this. Paul writes this. He says, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access to, by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Paul here begins. He builds this foundation. It's what we talked about last week. Experiencing Christ and the power of his resurrection. We are justified by his faith or by faith. We've experienced his grace, his forgiveness. We rejoice in that, Paul says. We rejoice in that. But then he continues, and we have a piece of scripture that can just seem kind of crazy and out there at first. Because he says, not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Not only do we rejoice in the wonders of God, in the grace of God, in the love of God, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice when things go wrong. We rejoice when bad things happen, when we experience pain in our body and persecution because we are Christians. We rejoice when those things happen. And then Paul tells us why. He says we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. We rejoice in our suffering because we understand what it produces. Now, back to our bottom line. We just said this, and I just illustrated this. We often look back on our sufferings and our difficult situations in a positive way. Why? Because we now see what they produced. We see what they produced. I mean, uh, you can uh, go in on a diet. It's a great example of this. We suffer eating kale and they, and they make zucchini noodles and your kids are eating pasta and amazing and, and you get this plate of cut up stringy vegetables and, they're, and, and you're eating it and you're going, this is awful. This is terrible. Ah! And, and, and you suffer for a season and for a time and then all of a sudden uh, something happens and you get there and you're like, I can wear these pants again. And I look pretty good. And you look in the mirror and you say, yeah, this is, okay. And we look back on our suffering in a positive way because of now what it produced. Some of you are like, no, I just want to eat cake. <laughs> yeah, I get that too. Okay. We rejoice in our suffering knowing that it produces endurance. Uh, now, that Greek word, this was originally written in the language of Greek, and that Greek word that we have translated endurance could also be translated perseverance. Uh, suffering produces perseverance or endurance. Uh, well, what, what's the idea here? Endurance is defined in this way, the ability to withstand hardship or adversity. Perseverance defined like this, continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. Suffering produces endurance. Suffering produces uh, perseverance. One, one pastor wrote 
wrote this, one of the primary purposes of being shaken by suffering is to make our faith more unshakable. To make our faith more un unshakable. Walking through pain, walking through difficult situations actually can prepare you to better handle difficult situations. This is what Paul says here. But endurance then produces something else. And Paul's going to list off this chain reaction. Okay? Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Verse 4. Now the root of the word character uh, has to do with something, something that has been tested. In fact, uh, the definition of character uh, in this context, something that is proven to be reliable or true after testing. Kind of like uh, they take gold and they put it through a certain uh, test and do certain things with it to, to determine its worth, to determine its value, to determine its character uh, in that way. So difficult situations, suffering produces endurance, the ability to better handle difficult situations, but that also leads to and produces character, which is something that is proven or reliable uh, that comes through testing. And he continues, and character produces hope. Okay, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And, and when I read this the first time, hope seems like a weird word to put here for me. But let me explain this really quickly. When we view suffering in the wrong way, in an inaccurate way, in an unbiblical way, it also causes us to see and view God in the wrong way, in an unbiblical way. And when suffering comes, the result is that it can bring a lack of confidence in God, or you could say a lack of hope in God. Now the opposite of hope is the word hopeless, or, or sometimes we use the word despair. So Paul says, suffering produces endurance, Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Paul says this is what happens, but you know this and I know this, that it is altogether possible for suffering to produce the complete opposite effect on this, right? To have the complete opposite effect as well. Uh, in fact, Kelly Clarkson, the, the American Idol winner from like the 90s or whenever that was, she sings this song uh, titled, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Come on. That was pretty good. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. No. I had to look it up. I don't even know who she is, honestly. But uh, she sings this song, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. The issue is, it's a fantastic line, but it's only half true. It's half true. Because there are really two options that come out of that. There are two things that come out, and you go one path or the other. The first is, what doesn't, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. The second is, what doesn't kill you makes you bitter, right? What doesn't kill you makes you angry. 
What doesn't kill you leaves you with unforgiveness and you whine on Facebook to everybody, And okay? What doesn't kill you also sends, can send you in this direction. We have multiple directions. Paul says suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. But there's a whole other side of this here that suffering produces nastiness in your life and you walk away from your faith. What is the difference here? And I'm here to tell you the difference between the two is your attitude. It's your perspective. It's your understanding of God and your understanding of suffering. That is the reason we are doing this series. So that when difficulty comes in your life, suffering will produce endurance and character and hope and not bitterness and anger and you get it. There's two paths, and it has to do with the way we see God. Uh, Zig Ziglar, uh, public speaker, says it this way. He, says, he just says, attitude determines altitude. He actually says, attitude, not aptitude, which is how much you know, determines altitude. Your attitude in life and your attitude as you go into difficult seasons and difficult situations completely determines which road and which path you will take. It's a big deal. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a big deal. Turn to them again and say, you should really wake up now because this is a really big deal and it's important and you need to start listening now, okay? Say that to them. The way you approach this, your perspective, your attitudes toward difficult situations and circumstances has everything to do with what will come. As Paul promises, he promises suffering produces suffering, the end result. See, if you do this in the right way, you will look back on your suffering and you will look at it in a positive way. Why? Because you see what it produced in your life. Now, music team, please come. But before, before you put your coat on, and okay, let, let's, let's, we're going to build this all together quickly. And, uh, and then we're just going to take a moment to reflect together. Uh, a quick review to, to build a mountain here together. The goal of being a Christian is to know Christ. It's not a better life. We don't add Jesus to our already good life to try to make it a better life. The goal of being a Christian is to know Christ. And knowing Christ comes from experiencing the power of his resurrection and the good and all of this power that is, it also comes through experiencing suffering in difficult situations. Now this matters because when we begin to understand this, it brings purpose to our suffering. It brings purpose to our difficulties because we see this is an opportunity that I have to grow closer to God because my goal is today I want to know God more than I did yesterday. And tomorrow I want to know Christ better than I did today. That is the goal. Suffering is an avenue. It's an avenue. In fact, if you are in the middle of a difficult season in your life and you, and you have the right perspective, chances are you will look back on this event in a positive way as you now see what it produced. What it produced. Suffering strengthens faith if we approach it the right way. If we approach it with the right attitude and the right perspective. Now, this is all building us up to next week and the week after. Next week, I'm going to address 
uh, very specifically some things, some very clear misunderstandings that we have about suffering. One of the main ones that I'm going to get at, and some of you as I say this, you're going to be like, I believe that. Uh, one of the main things I'm going to hit next week is the, is the phrase that says, uh, everything happens for a reason. We're going to look at that. And we're going to ask ourselves, is that Bible? Some of you think that's in the Bible. But the problem is, is if you believe everything happened for a reason, then you believe that God actually authored the Holocaust and six million people were murdered and it was God's plan because he had a reason. And if you believe that, it is difficult to believe that God is good and that God cares about you when you believe God killed all those people. Okay, we're going to look at a different way to view this and it's going to be incredibly helpful for you. I believe you'll leave next week with a different understanding of some things that's going to help you. Okay, uh, the next week we're going to just kind of answer some questions that people are asking about suffering and about prayer and this. And so I'm, I, I really believe that after the, these final weeks we are going to be so much more uh, built to, to handle this as we understand it from a theological way a lot better. Now, how many here today would just say, Pastor Kyle, that's me. I'm in the middle of a difficult season. If that's you, just quickly show me your hand hands all over this place. And God, I pray, I pray, God, that you would use these situations for good. I pray that you would do incredible things. I pray that every person that lifted their hands would know you better because of what they're facing right now. I pray that we would look back on these things in a positive way because we see what they produced in our lives. God, help us to see that, Lord. But God, we also pray for miracles. We pray that doctors would wake up in the middle of the night uh, like we saw a few weeks ago with an idea of how to fix something. God, we pray that cancer numbers would go the, the opposite direction, God. Uh, unexpectedly, we pray for these things, God, that you would heal and mend and do miraculous things, Lord. We thank you. The last thing here before we go, maybe you're in this place today and you would just say, I know I'm not right with God. And I need to receive the forgiveness and the grace and the love of my heavenly Father. See, your sin separates you from God. And it's why he sent Jesus to die for you so that you could be brought back to him. So you could be forgiven of your sin. But the Bible says you must put your trust in him in what Jesus has done for you. And so maybe you're here today and you would say, I have never done that. I've never put my trust in Jesus and I want to do that for the very first time. If that's you, just quickly show me your hand. I want to give my life to God. I want to put my trust in Him. Thank you. Thank you. The ushers are going to put something in your hand here really quick. Anyone else that would say, I need to do that. I want to put my trust in Jesus today before we go. And what I want us to do is I want us to say a prayer together. Everyone in this place, uh, these aren't magic words, but this is a heart thing here between you and God. But let's pray this together. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate that. Come on, somebody.
God, I pray that as we walk out these doors, we would experience you and be more aware of you and your presence than ever before. Help us to walk in your grace. Help us to walk through situations and circumstances knowing you are right there beside us. Use us or use those things, God, to grow us. We give you this and it's in your name we pray. And everybody said,